Hey, Adam Smolcom here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. Are you ready to come around the Word of God today? We're gonna turn in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54, verse two. And some of you will already know it, you'll have memorized it because you're great students of the Word. And we've been in this passage of Scripture for four weeks now. And it says, enlarge your house. I want you to build an addition. I want you to spread out and spare no expense. And I'm gonna go a little further today because it says, and for you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. There's a great big why attached to the what of what we are doing in stretching and growing and building. But I know that my assignment today, I know my goal today is to get us as a global church interacting with the vision. Because I gotta tell you, we're in vision season and in vision season, vision is not about spectating. Okay, it's the, the vision's captivating, the vision's bold, the vision's big. The vision looks great on our future letter, on our wall, in our home, but the vision is meant to be interacted with. There needs to be participation with the vision. And so my husband at the very beginning of this series, he spoke the vision out for us. And you know, for years and years now, I've been the first recipient of the vision. So I'm just gonna give you a little bit of help here today because when He releases the vision, He releases the potential of that vision into our hands. And you see, it's on us as the church to grasp the thought, to pull it, to stretch it out, to spread it out in a physical and practical way so that we can take what was a small idea and make it into a substantial reality so that the world around us can see it. And so I wanna encourage you today, I wanna help you interact with the vision. I wanna help you participate with God today. You're participating with heaven. Do you know that heaven has a dreamscape? There's stuff stored up in heaven that God's saying, I want this for the earth but He needs us to pull it from the heavenscape into the landscape of our world. And I believe that you're the chosen people of God to do it today. I believe that you're people who are gonna interact with the vision and you are gonna participate with the vision. And so I wanna talk about the power of participation. And so let me pray for you one second time last time. We pray all the time here at Vive Church. But Father, I just thank You that every man and every woman online and in this space under the sound of my voice will know that I am talking to them. Lord, that we will hear this Word for us. We will not separate ourselves from the masses, that we will understand that this is a Word that You are bringing to me today. And Father, I thank You that Your Word has the power to transform us from the inside out. Let us never be the same again, I pray, as we participate in Your kingdom calling on earth today. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. Come on, you can do better than that. Amen, amen, you can finally take a seat, okay? I know you've been like, your feet have been crying out for you to take a seat. But I, I, I love this concept of participation 
And you know, participation is, is important. And you know, some of us, I think there's many different interpretations of participation, okay? And so we've been watching the Olympics and some of you think because you tuned in, you know, and you're cheering and that there's no sweat equity in the game, but that you are participating. And you know, sometimes when we come around vision season, we can get a little bit like that with the vision. It's like, I'm gonna give you the hearts on Instagram and I'm gonna give you the thumbs up on Facebook and I'm gonna cheer from the sidelines and just see how you guys go with this. But I'm not talking about a passive participation. I'm talking about an active participation. You know, the kind of participation that means you have to get out of the stadium stands and you have to get onto the stage of life and do some things. That's the kind of participation that God is calling you to. It's an active participation in the house of God. And I love this because this is a participation that causes us as a church to move together, to move as one. It's this dynamic of teamwork. It's this dynamic of one accord. And I believe that it's in the arena of one accord as we move together that God's hand is gonna be on us. And yes, it always starts in the agreement zone. Yes, it's a yes and amen in my spirit. That vision resonates with me, but it cannot stay in that space. It has to work out itself in the participation space. And you see, this is the, the confronting thing that is put in front of every single one of us. Every time we open up the Word of God, every time you open up the Word of God, there is a question that is presented to you. Will you spectate or will you participate? Will you take this Word and let it form something within you and allow you to be transformed and be different? Or will you watch my Word work itself out in the lives of other people? And you see, that's the same question that poses itself to us today around this vision season. And you know, yes, the vision has gone forth and I have no doubt in my mind, Vive Church, that we are gonna be standing in a beautiful building that is gonna house thousands of people and we're gonna extend the gospel. There's no doubt in my mind that is not the question anymore because that, that is what is in motion. The question for me today is what part will you play? What part are you gonna play in the vision being fulfilled? And you see, when I think about this passage of Scripture where Isaiah is prophesying to the people, he's talking them to enlarge their house and build their tent. And you know, it also takes me back to that time when I was a little girl and I'd go camping in Australia. Australian summers with my dad. And let me tell you, when we went camping, it wasn't the bougie kind of camping. Like, I don't know what kind of camping y'all do these days, but on Instagram, you see these like cute silver bus bullet things and they pull up to the campsite and then they turn out into like a three bedroom motel and you have a mattress and you have a, you know, a, a, a sink and you have toilets and you have everything. No, when I went camping as a child, it was the canvas kind of camping. It was the, the me and the wild kind of camping. My dad would pull up in the, in the backside of nowhere and we would be there with black belly red, black, what, what are they, red belly black snakes. We would be there with spiders. We would be there with leeches. We would be there with the wilderness and the tent. No toilets, no conveniences, the tent. And so I can remember as a little girl, 
I would watch my dad build the tent. And you know, he would be working away and slaving away, building this tent. And I would think as a little girl, that I, as I would anticipate one of the stakes, one of the pegs that he needed, and I would run it to him, that that was somewhat participation. But really, I was just spectating. And then I just loved to walk in and mess up his beautiful tent that he had built for me. But you know, because my dad is a good father, at some point, he decided that I needed to learn what it was to truly participate that I had to graduate what the spectating was, that spectating zone, and I had to learn how to participate. And I will never forget the day that he handed me the tent in the bag with no labels on any of the poles. The pegs were there and handed me the hammer and it was time for me to go to work. Let me tell you, I understood that day that participation looks very different from spectation. And you know... I learned how to build that two-man tent because let me tell you, the motivation was there's only canvas between me and the wild. So I was gonna build that thing well. My tent was so neat, Pastor Carly. I swept out my tent. There was no sand in my tent. You could, you, you had to be treat my tent right, okay? And so it served me though. It served me for the day later on in life where we would have our own family. And we would, you know, we borrowed um, Adam's, family's tent. And I was a little shocked this day that he brings out the tent to put it up with me because we had driven like four hours and our girls were in the car. It was pouring rain. You know, who knows you never put up a tent in rain? Like, because then it starts leaking immediately. It's a disaster. It's too hard to stretch the wet canvas. You know, it's just, everything's hard. So we were trying to put this tent together, but this was no two-man tent. This was a Taj Mahal 10-man tent. And you know, my husband and I were trying to put this tent up in the rain. And you know what? One of the memories that I have is my children spectating from the car. I'm like, I can't wait for them to participate one day. But then I also remember the lingering, you know, thing that we remember when we relive this memory is that we think about all the people who pulled up a chair in that tent camping space. They pulled up a chair under their awning, under their covering, and they decided to point and laugh and look, and not one single one of them decided that they wanted to help participate. I don't know what was going through their minds, but they were questioning whether we could do it. And I gotta tell you, Vibe Church, we did it. I built that 10-man tent. It was the best, it was the best Taj Mahal tent anybody's ever seen, wasn't it, babe? I mean, you know, it was a little leaky because of the rain. But let me tell you, we didn't invite them over for dinner that, that night either, you know? <laughs> but, but we did it. And you know, I think it's interesting because the prophet Isaiah, when he gives this command, he says, he doesn't say to the people, God will build your house. He doesn't say God's gonna, you know, build an addition for you. He doesn't say God's gonna spread you out. And he definitely doesn't say God's gonna spare no expense. You just stand on the sidelines like me as a little girl and cheer daddy on. No, he says, I want you to build your house. I want you to stretch yourself. I want you to spread yourself out and I want you to spare what's valuable to you to build what's valuable to God. And so the reason that we do this is because there is expansion on the horizon. 
Like we're sitting under this really cool outdoor tent right now, but this tent isn't big enough for the people and the nations that God is gonna send our way. This tent isn't big enough for the revival that we're gonna have here in the Bay Area. One day, he says, your descendants are gonna outnumber you. One day, your descendants are gonna settle ruined cities. It's like the video that we just saw. One day, we have to wake up and realize that we're living beyond today. We're living for the generations to come. And he says, I'm calling my people to enlargement. You know, I think this is interesting because as soon as enlargement steps on the scene, don't you find that the smallness voice starts speaking in your ear? Every time somebody has a big vision for your life, you wanna look over your shoulder and be like, are you talking to somebody else or are you talking to me? Can I do that? Should I do that? Is this too great for me? And if you finally get on the same page as God and get a bit of a self-esteem as a Christian and go, you know what, I've been called to be large, then the voices come from without. They come from other people saying, you sure you need all that space? You sure you need to get bigger? But I gotta tell you that bigness and enlargement is in the DNA of the church. It always has been. We have always been called to go beyond ourselves. You know, the Isaiah prophet, he was standing there and he's talking to the people and he's like, you can't stay small forever. It's not gonna be us four and no more. It's not gonna be a holy huddle in Jerusalem. You're gonna have to get up and you're gonna have to go to Galilee and you're gonna have to go to Samaria and you're gonna have to go to the ends of the earth. In other words, the prophet was preparing them to to grow beyond the smallness of where they were at because enlargement was in their future. Some of us have to realise that where we're at right now is great, but it's not great to stay at. God is calling us into bigger and bigger better spaces and He's calling you to build a room. He's calling you to make an addition. He's asking you to pay the bill. The bill's got your name on it. And by the way, maturity has nothing to do with age because there's some royal kids in this house that have seen the check with their name on it and they're paying the bill for it. And they're deciding that this house is gonna happen in their time, in their generation. You see, because we are destined to be substantial. We are destined to be big in size. And so, you know, to, 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 do, to become all that God has asked us to become as a church, we need to stretch. And Isaiah was emphatic about this. He's like, you're gonna have to get a stretch on. And he instructs them to stretch. A lot of other versions will say stretch forth. And you know, I like this because it lines up with that whole tent analogy. It's alluding to the curtains of the tent and the tabernacles that were made and them being stretched out. And I remember the poles and the stakes that you had to drive into the ground to establish that there would be more room, that we could hold more people in this space. And I gotta tell you that from the Old Testament into the New Testament, the stretching has been unfolding that it has always been happening. You know what's not natural for the church? What's not natural for the church is to shrink back. What's not natural for the church is to stay small. That sounds noble sometimes, but that's not the plan of God. The plan of God was always to enlarge. It was always that the people of God would be strong.
stretching. In fact, this stretching of the tent would take on the Great Commission, that they would go and they would preach everywhere, that they would convert people, that they would preach as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, and that they would preach to Jew and then Gentile. And this stretching was blessed into the conversion of multitudes, that the world was being reached with this powerful message. The church is an unstoppable force. It has not ever been able to be contained and it will not be able to be contained today. And so I, I love because I love the church and I love building the church and I love talking about building the church and I love people like Paul who built the church because Paul didn't separate himself from the building of the church. He led the way in the building of the church. By the time he comes onto the scene, the church is already sort of moving and being established, but he is a tent maker by trade. And I think it's interesting that he uses Isaiah. He uses Isaiah 54 in one of his letters where he speaks to the people. And, and, and I find it interesting that he would be used as an imminent instrument of stretching these spiritual tent curtains from Jerusalem all the, way, all the way up to Lyricum, up to the top of that part of the world so that he could bring about the revealing vision of Christ, which was one body with many members. And I like this because this is the church. This is the stretch of the church. It is both personal and it is both collective. And you see, Paul understood that he had to stretch within himself, that he had to stretch practically, that he had to stretch things out. And as he did that himself, the, the church grew, the, the ministry grew, and the ministry was marked by the people of being together. They were partnered together. His ministry always called one person to the other person. And there was this magnification and there was this multiplication multiplication that was taking place. You see, Paul knew what it was to call the people together to an identity together. And I think somewhat we've kind of lost that in our modern day era where we rock up to church and it's about me and my relationship with Jesus. But there is a responsibility on us as the people of God in the earth today to be identified together, to be identified separate from the world. That, that he would say this, he would say, I want you to let your public life as the people of God be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And what we are undertaking and what we are doing demands a oneness. It demands a one accord for the people of God to band together. This is so much bigger than just a building. This is about the church being unified. This is about the church coming behind something that is so great it'll catch the world's attention. This is the church standing up in the fullness of all that it is. And I love the way that he preached to the church. He said, you know how you do this? You know how you come around the one accord and advance the kingdom of heaven? You follow the nature of Jesus. You do what Jesus did. You have the attitude of Christ. And in, in Philippians chapter two, he's urging them. He's saying, I want you to be wholeheartedly in this together. I want you loving one another. I want you working together with one mind and purpose. Have you ever seen anything like that today? One mind and one purpose. Like that's hard to do. It is so hard. You just need to leave the church for five seconds and you'll realise that everybody's got their own opinions. 
Or you need to be in the world and lead an organization for one second and realize that the world is divided. The world has different, you know, things that, and agendas at play, but the people of God, they have a oneness about them. And I don't want you to underestimate because it was difficult for them to achieve the one accord. Yes, it's difficult for us to achieve the one accord, but it's not impossible. And it's still a command that we are to live up to and that we are to run up after today. And he says, I want you to have the mind of Christ who didn't consider himself or even think of himself as equality with God as something to cling to. He says, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him the name above all names that the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow in, in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In effect, Jesus Himself stretched out so that we could continue to stretch out in our day so that we individually and collectively could shine like bright lights in a dark world because we are unified. It's the unity of the church. It's a sign to the world that there's a way of being differently human, that we can actually get on with each other, that we can move together. It's the stretching that asks us to get over ourselves. It's the stretching that demands that we do not remain in smallness and that we don't settle for just like, you know, what the world serves up, those limitations, those disabilities, those boxes, those labels that the world wants you to live under. No, the people of God get to rise up and you get to live big and you get to be enlarged because you're the people of God. And I think that it's so beautiful as you study the Bible and as you look at Paul, like he, he loved the church so much. He gave his life for the church. He believed in fact that it was the fact of the church that told Caesar in that day that Caesar did not run the world and that Jesus Christ did. It was the fact of a family that behaved differently. And I believe today, Vive Church, that the fact of us unified, collaborating, getting together, in one body, with one spirit, with one hope, with one Lord and one faith and one baptism that we are today a sign on the earth, a sign in the Bay Area that Jesus Christ is still large and in charge. It is a notification to the gates of hell that you cannot and you will not prevail against us. That we are moving in and we are taking up residence and we are making ground and that the people who live here, they get to be free. They don't get to be in bondage anymore because the people of God have stood up and are a force to be reckoned with. You see, it's a stretch that doesn't weaken us. It's a stretch that strengthens us. You know, the enemy wants you to stay so small. Like if you stretch, you'll, you'll wear yourself thin. You'll wear yourself out. Oh my gosh, a good work ethic will make you strong. Exercising will make you strong. It's time for us to get up and exercise our faith, a faith that strengthens us. Because as the truth is that as we spread out, we take ground off the enemy. As the house of God is advanced, the, the gates of heaven are advanced 
advancing as well. And you see, I love this concept of spreading out, you know, of, of making one space more. I, I think about it like when he talks about with the tent curtains and he's saying, I want you to stretch out. It, you know, like it's necessary for things to be lengthened and strengthened as you stretch things out. It's like the, the ropes had to be lengthened and stretched. Why? Because they were just making a greater compass for more. They were making room for more. There was enlargement in that. And you know, I think about the day where we, we, we pulled up to our two spaces of land that we had decided that we would pay for in this tent allocation. And you know, I think back on those people who were folding their arms because we had the 10 person Taj Mahal tent that we were gonna set up, right? And so I think that some of them were just sitting back and being like, well, if you think you're big enough to be able to build that, then let's see you go out. It, you know, because sometimes people can think, make smallness sound like it's noble. Like that could have been somebody else's tent space. You should have, you know, stayed small so that somebody else could move in with you. But no, we were, we were, we had rooms on rooms in that tent. We were planning to entertain. There was a card room in the front of the tent. Like we came to make friends with the community and convert the community. Our tent was going to be the place of meeting. And, and so, you know, it's like the people, sometimes, you know, you're gonna hear that in conversations and you're gonna hear it in yourself sometimes. There'll be that voice of smallness trying to criticize what you're about to do, trying to take, keep you from spreading out. But I just wanna tell you today that lengthening and, and strengthening is so important. It's part of us participating in the vision. And you know, beyond the stretching and beyond the spreading out is also gonna be the spare no, the spare no expense. You know, and this is the part where everybody sort of gets a little bit funny about sparing no expense. You know, because, you know, that's what enlargement entails. It's a spare no expense price tag on enlargement. And you know, I think about this, I think about the call of God, it's gonna cost you everything that you are and all that you have. You can't live with leftovers in the call of God. You, you just give it all and God magnifies and multiplies and enlarges. But I remember recently we were, um, we had the privilege of going to this premier restaurant in um, Italy. It was on Lake Como and it was beautiful, it was romantic and it actually was the residence of the um, aristocracy of like princesses and there were marquises and there were sultans that would like live on this place that they converted into a hotel. And like there was art on the wall, the, the meal was amazing. You had waiters running to the table before you to pull out your chair. And you know, when they put the napkin over you, you know it's a bougie restaurant when that happens. And so I remember that we were there with these a couple of couples of friend, friends that we had and um, the girls were looking at the menu and I hadn't taken any notice that there was no price attached to any of the meals. But the guys who were with us noticed that there was prices attached to these meals. Like they weren't for nothing. They weren't giving them away for free. There, there was definitely a price tag attached to them. And you know, the whole point of there not being a price tag on the girls menu was to place value on the bride so that 
when she sees the menu, she's not concerned about the cost because she knows that her husband is gonna pay whatever it takes. No, spare no expense kind of love because you're worth it, right? And let me tell you, it worked because I felt like 10 million bucks. And I remember leaning over to my husband and saying to him, baby, do you think we can afford this? And he's like, baby, we don't get this opportunity all the time. And Vibe Church, we don't get this opportunity all the time to have a building presented to us. You don't pass up the opportunity that's presented to you and just save your budget. That's the moment that you spare no expense. When you have the bride, when you have the place, the location, that's when you stretch. It's time to stretch. And I know that was in the mentality of my husband. I know that he was like, baby, you're here. We're here. We're not gonna get to do this again. I'm gonna spare no expense. And that's what we're committing to, church. We're committing to at all costs, at all pains, no matter what it takes to build the house of God, to advance the cause of Christ, to build the greatest thing this earth has ever known. The only thing that will have an eternal investment and privilege and lay up. We can build all these incredible businesses that change the world now, but, the, but we can't build, you know, build, being able to build something that's gonna last forever. That's in the house of God. That's in the currency of souls. And so I love this because it's the why, it's the why. When we have an opportunity like this, would we shrink back? You know what? I'm a little bit tired of the enemy keeping the church small, of like it's, you know, you just need to be humble. Well, let me tell you, true humility is a true estimation of oneself. And I know whose I am. And that means I know who I am. And the people of God are the head and they're not the tail. They're the overcomers and the conquerors. And it's time for us to pave a way so that people can be set free in our city. And you know, if you think, oh, she's so romantic about this, you can stand to your feet right now. She's so romantic about this. Yes, I am. I am romantic about the house of God. I love the house of God. I think the house of God is the answer to humanity. And you know what? I think that God loves His house. I think He's romantic about His house. I think that He spared no expense to build His house, to purchase you and to purchase me. Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vive Church. And so if you don't wanna miss any of it, I would encourage you, go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.